This is Sunday Skate on Sports Radio WEEI. The first time in 39 years, the Boston Bruins have won the Stanley Cup. Talking Bruins and the NHL. Sure, old-time hockey. Like it is sure. With Ken Laird from the Mud and Callahan Show. What a bunch of criminals. We ought to be in jail. That's all there is to it. WEEI.com Bruins writer Matt Kalman. He's the killer. Sunday Skate is brought to you by Wise Snacks and by Star Market, the official supermarket of the Boston Brewers. Beast is ready. You know, we got a lot of losses. Yeah, we got a lot of losses. Lace them up for some beast talk right now on Sports Radio WEEI. Clifton able to glide along. Same one across Marshall. You know, if you're Sergei Bobrovsky, this just ain't fair. It just ain't fair. See, Pete Milbury's on my side. P- uh, Pete, Fred New Hampshire. Fred, in the first hour of the show, said bad rebound control by Bobrovsky on that uh, Martian. Kidding me? Come on, <laughs> it's an unbelievable first save. What are you gonna? What do you expect him to do on the second one? Yeah, he kind of fell over and did projectile it back to Marshawn's stick. It was unfortunate from his point of view, uh, but uh, great finish by Marshawn. Got to give him that. Bobrovsky of the four goals he allowed last night. Tough to blame him on. Any of them, I guess. What the, about the crunchy one? one? The first one, yeah. Uh, the crunchy one. Yes. If Tuka Rask gave that one up, what would, what would everyone be doing? Oh, my God. It was, it was a quote-unquote change-up. It was a change-up. He topped <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah, so, okay, yeah. I mean, it was just it was kind of a fluky puck luck. I'd say that's a puck luck goal from David Krejci there, in which case Bobrovsky not to blame. But Rask has been the better goaltender, no doubt about it. It's uh, hour two of a three-hour magnificent stretch of Sunday skate here, 7 to 10 a.m. Join us, 617-779-7937. We started the show talking about the John Tortorella guarantee. I want to play Tortorella uncut here just to start the segment because Torts is a little feisty. Um, That's a nice way to put it. Was he a lot feisty? You, you sat in for this, right? Uh, I didn't sit in for it, but I listened to it afterward. Because yeah, he was through the first four games, he was very disappointing, wouldn't you say? Uh, except when he said he didn't know what day of the week it was. I love that. And he's not been made available on several off days. Oh, my right? God. He's this been... guy is like they they spoil him. They pamper him. It's the playoffs. It's the you second round of the, the playoffs. Lightning, you get a lot, of, uh, a lot of leeway. I guess so. Three days he hasn't spoken this year. And, and they haven't – this series. And they haven't spoken – they haven't made anybody available on those three days, which is I th- I'm pretty sure in violation of the NHL media rules. I mean, look at the NBA. Can they try out their superstars every day. I don't follow complaints. I'm not a Columbus beat writer. They're a bunch of pussycats, you know, sitting it out. So we'll have to talk to Hedge about that at 9 o'clock. Yeah, we're going to have a Jackets writer on Brian Hedger at uh, 9 o'clock this morning. Um, but Tortorella, has he's had a couple good lines. Uh, what was it, the last series? He said, I'm not getting into X's and O's. He was getting a little testy. Somebody was oh, asking yeah, about I don't get to play. X's and O's. I don't talk about my lineup. I don't talk about the weather. I don't do whatever he wants to talk about. Jeez. Right. So he's trying to push some buttons. Here was Tortorella from uh, last night at the podium after... I'm sure what uh, he and his team felt a frustrating 4-3 loss. It was such a tight game for so long. What opened up for you there in the last 50 minutes? Was it just desperation on your part or more than that? What's the question, Portsy? What opened up for you there offensively in the last 10 minutes? We got some guys to play. Say it. We got some guys to play. You didn't like the energy level for the first 50? I've, I've loved the energy level, but we have to make plays too. How much did you just need to see a goal go in? Seth getting the one and obviously took the replay. What kind of lift did that give you just to see one go in? You know the answer. Don't ask stupid questions right now, guys. Ask me some questions that mean something, not that you have the answer to. John, you said you got some guys to play. Can they 
that intensity that they have, that desperation, can that be created for 60 minutes? In a Absolutely. I, I have no problem with the, the intensity of our club right on through. It's just that we need guys being more creative and, and making more plays throughout a 60-minute game. Um, can you can you draw on that last 10 minutes? Does Absolutely. That, Not the last 10 minutes. The uh, throughout the game. We had a, uh, a problem at the beginning of the third. After two periods, although we didn't create a bunch of offense, we didn't give them much either. The surge in the third, we, we came back. Absolutely. It, things happen for a reason. We have chances to tie it again. doesn't. Uh, things happen for a reason. And I truly believe that. We'll be back here for Game 7. John, you also got contributions from you know, Kukin getting the goal, uh, Zingle coming back, getting the lineup, getting the goal. It felt like as you, the game went on, you we had some lines to get some offense. offense. Yeah, we found some lines that were going to give us some offense, and uh, we'll get ready to play game six. You guys obviously went with uh, seven defensemen tonight. Uh, Gavrikov did not look out of place out there. He was were fine. You, yeah, you liked to play. Yep, there. Uh, you, you said that you'll be back every game seven. What, we will. What gives you the confidence that you'll Because we seven? will. So there it is. The Tau of Torts. Because we will. Does that guy ever let anybody finish a question? Yeah, I wouldn't let poor Scott oh McLaughlin finish the question. I've got the whole book on this guy, though. You watch him. He has all these tells. He must be the worst poker player in the world. When he doesn't like a question, he starts stroking his beard. Have you noticed that? And then if, and then if he really doesn't like the question, I didn't hear that. What's the question? Even though you've, or you just asked the question? He dresses like he walks into a Nordstrom rack and points at the mannequin and says, I'll take all of that. <laughs> I wish I wish this was a, a, a visual medium because I wish we could just play over and over him tripping on his way out to oh, the yeah, bench. Terrible the fall in Columbus. Is that like not the only... How many people across this country omen. were dancing in the streets watching him do that? And then I love, he, left the blame, he tried to blame the floor. Did you see that? Oh, did he? He's oh, pointing, yeah. Like, he he like, turned around and looked at the floor like, oh, my God, what did you do to Clean me? Clean up that spill. I hate when that floor jumps up at me. Well, I like his feistiness and his passion. I mean, unlike John from Garfield, John Cooper, the lightning coach, who was just <laughs> did nothing. Babcock is so, like, straight. I mean, he's got a little edge to him sometimes, yeah. but not like this. Yeah. So does this work? And evaluate the guarantee now from, from Tortorella. Do you I like it? If you're, if you're a Jackets a, player, do you like this? I can't get a feel because I wouldn't ever want to play for this guy at all, and the teams do. I mean, I'd rather play for him than for, for Cooper. I yeah. mean, yeah. at least he, I at least he get has some fire under. Him. I was just thinking about like even if you're an assistant coach with this guy, you do one mistake. I mean, does he ever let you live it down? It's just unbelievable. And you, he puts so much pressure. He's talking about you know we, ha- we I like their energy, which is fine, but then I, guys have to be more creative. It's like how creative can you be when you have to play the way he wants you to play? But he won the Stanley Cup somehow and some way, and so you can't necessarily knock it as much. I mean, he was a flop in Vancouver, so maybe that's a sign that. But you just wonder, like, if these team, if these players can really respond. Are they playing for him, or is this a Mike Keenan? We're playing in spite of him type thing too. I mean, he's got reason to be optimistic because even sure. I mean, they score three goals in four minutes, whatever. Come out of the hole, and even late, they're creating chances. They did have some lines going. They made Charles look terrible last night, in particular. I mean, some of the Corsi numbers uh, from Duchesne against uh, uh, Charles last night. You, so I could see as a coach, you're thinking we deserve better. Um, all that being said, you know the Bruins' top line is going. You don't have much of an answer. Yeah, for and I don't know right if he, he he really th- he really thinks they played that well in the first period. I mean, I think no, he's kind of yeah. It's kind of a selective memory from here from this guy. So I mean, I mean, I mean if you're if you're gonna make that argument too, I think the Bruins played terrible in the first three games and they stole one. So I mean, the Bruins if if they had played 
anywhere near their capability, this series would already be over. Yeah, Bobrovsky stole game three. That was the consensus, yeah. right? Kalman didn't want to admit that. He didn't or steal anything. No one steals anything. Last branded Carlo. He's not stealing things. Don't tip your cap. I said We're going to beat him. That's true. Carlo, since he cast the, uh, it wasn't a guarantee of sorts, but he said he's going to crack. Bobrovsky will crack. It's it sort of happened. Absolutely. I don't think that's a hot take. Bobrovsky wasn't that great during the regular season. He's he's had a somewhat of a up and down year. I said it before the series started. I thought the Bruins are going to win in, in five. Uh, I'll take six now. Yeah. So right, exactly. Uh, even after the guarantee. Yeah, I know. I think they're going to win in six. I think they're going to go into Columbus and they're going to win. And the cannon. Yeah. I don't. I'm not scared <laughs> the of the cannon. cannon. And, I'm not scared of the cannon. And as Fred New Hampshire oh said, some guy in a white bathrobe that stands <laughs> in the corner, which we none of us knew what he was talking about, but I'm sure he's there. Six one seven 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 nine seven ninety three seven. Maria in Watertown here in hour two of the skate. Good morning, Maria. Good morning, guys. How are you this morning? Good. Wonderful. Uh, um, did you guys notice how quickly the uh, officials blew the whistle last night every time the puck hit the netting? Amazing how that <laughs> happens after, you know, they, we even they talked about that. botch it. They botch it one time and how now all of a sudden eyes are where they're supposed to be. I find the NHL like laughable when it comes to things of that nature. But um, Tukarask has been by far, in this series, the Bruins' most consistent and best player. Number two has been um, Charlie McAvoy. Charlie McAvoy was so good last night. Just, you know, basically kind of taking charge, kind of getting the offense going from from the back end. That kid is maturing um, before our very eyes. Um, One of the the negatives that I took from last night... um, which is um, Zdeno Chara seems to be, honestly, I don't, you guys know more than I do, seems to be aging before our very eyes during these, these, these series. I don't know if there's something going on or if the pace of the games are too much for him, but at one point during the last, I'd say, minute and a half of um, the game last night, there were a bunch of us in the balcony screaming, get him off the ice. Right. It was almost like he was more of a liability um, than a help last night. So I'd like to get your thoughts thoughts on that. And honestly, I think the Bruins were showing Columbus in good spurts last night. We are a better team than you are. They just need to do it for a full 60 minutes. If they can do that for a full 60 minutes on Monday night, they're moving on to the conference finals, and the door is open. Who would have thought in the NHL that the Carolina Hurricanes were going to the Eastern Conference Finals? They, this is a prime opportunity for the Boston Bruins, and they need to step through that door. That's um, all I have to say, gentlemen. Thanks for the time, and thanks for uh, getting the show started early this morning. Thanks, Maria. Good points. And they actually tie together her points about Chara's aging Mitch, uh, Mar- Mitch Marner was Chara's matchup in the first round. What did Mitch Marner do after like the first two games? Yeah, I don't think anybody was questioning Chara after exactly. the first series, but it's, it's a tough it's back-to-back long series. Yep. He has, seven looked, he has game like, series. looked very old. I mean, last night, as the first, I, I was defending him up until last night, but the end of the game was, was ugly. Now, maybe it was the ice. Maybe Matt Duchesne's just a great player, and you got to tip your cap. Cool cliche it, to him he, a little bit. He has to be out, you know, but, while Carlos chasing Panarin around. Carlos, you know, Chara's taking on the, maybe the tougher matchup with, with Duchesne. And, yeah. and I think as long as one of those guys is good, then you're okay. You're, you're doing fine. But, you know, like Maria said, Charlie McAvoy has been unbelievable. 
He's been very, very good. If Charlie McVoy is that good, then you can put up with a Zdeno Chara that looks somewhat old. I mean, McVoy's clearly their number one defenseman yeah. at this point, right? Chara might be their number three or four. Yeah, absolutely. I guess. And that's uh, the way, you know. He's the way gonna, it should be. I he's going to he, by next year. This time, he'll we'll probably talk of him second pair shutdown defenseman. He'll he might even be playing with Carlo if McAvoy is is the the lead guy on a on a pair with whatever ends up coming up here next year. Yeah, Char Carlos might be your second pair and might be you know more of a shutdown role where you're just going to ask those guys to take the matchups every night. And you know she's talking about the window is open. It is, and in particular, it's highlighted by guys like Char getting old. The window that people have talked about with his core is. Shorter. I don't. I mean, Krejci and Bergeron. Yeah. Those guys look like they're fine for several more years. Right. But no, Chara is not. Right. I mean, he's got. Looks like one more year. This looks like yeah, next would, year's Chara's last. I would say so. So, can you win a cup without? I'm sure you could. You got some young defensemen coming, but it's just a different team. But from based on what you've been built, right? But like I wrote, uh, from what you saw last night, Carlo and McAvoy. That's a pretty good start. And if Erho Bakkenainen gets uh, develops the properly, and and then your guy Grizzlick. He's looked pretty good in these playoffs, you know. Yeah. Once they got him back on the left side playing normal hockey the way he likes. Uh, and they got John Moore off the ice. So that was a they got John Moore out of there. So. I like Clifton. But Clif- Clifton looked bad in, in game four. He did. I, th- I thought Clifton looked pretty pretty bad. Well, he, he, played, yeah, he only night. played seven minutes and changed, too. He so looked that, bad in those so seven exactly. minutes. Exactly. <laughs> that tells all you need to know because last night he was back up to about ten. What would you think of Tortorella playing 7-D last night? I mean, Clen Denning Ugh. basically didn't play, so right. they kind of went a forward short and then Kind of with sixty by the it end. Doesn't of it. make it to me. It was overthinking it. For, as soon as he did it, I mean, he, he didn't even do it in the warm up. And next thing you know, he comes up, and it's not just seven D. It's a guy who's never played in the NHL right. before. Had you ever heard of this guy, Vladislav just, Gavrikov? Just since the series oh. started, just since they asked him about it before the series. I mean, maybe he's really good, but it seemed like you know, I was talking about him running his stars into the ground like he did in Tampa and other places he's played. Maybe Panarin's not built to play that much, and maybe it kind of hurt him in the end. It could have. I mean, it's it's a good point. I mean, they were double shifting Panarin a lot. Garrett Gavrikov played a lot. He played. He seemingly played well. The one he kind of backed off and allowed somebody to get an odd man break, and they were ripping him on the on the broadcast. I forget now in that last ten minutes where it was, but there was yeah. one point where he just he gave way too much. But you know, for his first game of the NHL, he, he was pretty impressive, actually. Yeah, he was steady. I mean, playing with Savard, that was pretty good. I mean, uh, he didn't again you, on both sides. You haven't really noticed the defenseman yeah. with too many gaffes. I think there is some irony in the fact that we uh, we rip Mike back Mike Babcock for not playing his stars enough, and now we're ripping uh, John Tortorella yeah. for running his stars into the ground over the course of this series. True. <laughs> was that the big criticism of? Yeah, I mean, he, sure. he played. He played Austin Matthews eighteen minutes in a game seven. Kidding me? Yeah. Uh, well, let's just say it's not Game Seven. So right. maybe if you're trying to conserve a little energy, I mean, we don't know. I don't know what kind of person Panarin is if he can handle it. But to do it and that's and to do it with just one guy, if, I could see if you're double shifting a line, but just do it the way he did it with him last night, and it didn't work. I mean, it didn't even come close to working to the fact that he had one shot on net the whole game. So, uh, yeah, typical just torts. Well, this has been a very even series for the most part, five on five, until this game. I thought Boston finally showed some dominance at right. times. It's been a special team series. Last night, both teams were all for two on the power play, so that kind of negated itself. It was the first game where the where the special teams didn't really steal the show, right? right. Uh, so yeah. what does that mean going forward? Just Well, you knew that was going to happen. I mean, everyone was talking about what's the power play going to do, the power play, and then the power play came through a couple times in game four, but you got to figure you're not going to get as many as the series goes on. They're going to put the whistles away. They don't want to decide the games and so 
it's not going to be as much of a factor, I don't think. I, I wouldn't think, anyway, that you're going to see as many penalties. And, I, I mean, I think if, if you're going on five-on-five five play, then the Bruins had the edge. Because, you know, you look at the, how the this series started, <laughs> Columbus was way, way better on special teams than the Bruins were. Well, the the, the, the Bruins' power play was the Columbus attack. Right. Yeah, I that's mean, true. Which Boone is not a fluke, Boone right? Columbus has been a good penalty kill the entire right. year. So and he, the Bruins have given up chances on the oh, shorthand right. it's amazing all year how, long. It's amazing how, you know, you talk about Don Sweeney not addressing whether he did or didn't adequately the third center, the second line right wing. Bruce Cassidy, the whole year, whistling through the, past the graveyard with this shorthanded, 15 shorthanded goals against, and... It's hilarious. You ask him, and he's just like, "Yeah, we could do better on that. We got to." He never gets too upset about it. He really loves the risk they take to get the power play going, and is willing to give that up. I think. And I mean, <laughs> they had they had a solid conversion rate on the power play. Well, they, they were third, third, league, yeah, 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 third, and so I I get it. But you also look at the fact that they were giving up like twenty right. shorthanded chances per exactly. sixty over the course well, and, of the year. And I think Not you know great. over the course of the regular season, we were proven he was proven right. Right, we survived this. We had the third best power point in the league. We finished second in the league standing. Whatever we did, I think in the playoffs when you do that in a game, especially on the road where they're trying, they're just begging for any reason to explode. You do that in a playoff game, and then in a series, it it could shift that the game and the series. And I think you know that's where Tuca bailed him out in Game Four. If Boone Jenner scores on even one of those, that's a whole new game. I mean, and God you have Jenner, to wonder Jenner about tightening up. Jenner and Felino cannot finish. If they could, yeah, either of those right. guys could finish, something, right? The Bruins well, that's why Boone Jenner trouble. is basically a fourth line player, but yeah. he plays against the Bruins and looks like a first line player. If that guy had any finish to his game, he'd oh. be a top six player. Hey, absolutely, and he was. Didn't he have thirty goals a couple years ago? I mean, this did is he guy, really? This is a guy with with an acumen, you know. But it doesn't happen all the time. But to go back to Cassidy, he made the adjustment and put Krejci on that first power play, and then the very last power play when the game was kind of decided. But you never know. He had, you know, he kept he rotated the three D McAvoy, Krug, and Grizzly to to play it safe. But then last game it goes right back to Pasternak there, and I think you might be playing with fire if you do that in Game Six. You got to just maybe be a. You have to scale up. You know, if they say you have to have a playoff team and you have to have a, a regular season team, maybe you have to have a a playoff strategy for power play and a, a post, you know, and a regular season one. They didn't give up any shorthanded chances last night, I don't believe, on their two power plays. They were, they didn't have any yeah, they, chances for. Right, it was just kind of neutral play, absolutely. They had the one shot pass to Brusque. It was actually a pretty good save by Borowski. He deflected that one in on the first one. Right. Um, the two in the on the ice, did Tortorella have a beef there? Like, there were seven guys. Oh, seven guys, and but, they were, I saw him, I know, but Tortorella, and shocking. some guy he on didn't, the ice. Shocking, he didn't admit a mistake. <laughs> a guy who gets a perfectly fair question in a press conference and has to call it stupid because he can't think of a better word and, and, and has such low self-esteem of himself that he has to call somebody stupid, won't admit that he screwed up and had a too many men on the ice but, penalty. But I don't think Columbus had possession or touched the puck in that sequence, so I don't know, even if there were seven. Anyway, it's neither here nor there. But Oh, there he is on my TV right now. I get to look at him. Torts, Torts Cam's going to be on fire the next two days. I mean, that was a good post game. That's what you want. If you're a coach looking to fire up your team, that's that's well done. You know, it's funny. The guy coached in New York so much, you might tend to think he's a New Yorker, but he's from here. Right. What did True. you people do to him? What did you do to him? Did you put him in the stocks or something? What goes on up here? Well, was he like this in, even in, uh, early in Tampa when he was in, their coach? Was he yeah, well, I, think, I think it really came out with New York with Brooksy. New York, yeah. yeah, I think when he tried to fight uh, the Calgary, the locker room, when he tried to break yeah, the Calgary Yeah, that's, that's in Vancouver. Room. When he was in Tampa, it was more he was he was a hard ass on his players, and he had all the you know safe as death motto and stuff like that. He had Craig Ramsey to kind of coach with him. 
And uh, but then he got to New York and decided to pick on Brooksy constantly and yeah. can't take a little. Cri- you know why? Because he was in Tampa, where I'm sure no one was ever criticizing him. And oh, you know, crap. give me another question, please. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's not peak ten out of ten torts, but we're getting up there. He's guaranteeing things. He's this. Is I like mean, Larry six- Brooks is crusty. Don't get me wrong, but the guy is often right, and he just has a sharp way of writing it. And you know, I love the coaches that say they don't read, and this guy can never claim that, right? He obviously yeah. reads everything, and he just decided to go down this route where he treats everybody like crap. I'll tell you, I I was confident the Bruins were going to win in six. I, I've never felt more confident than than Tortorella guaranteeing that they come back in seven <laughs> than they're going to win in six. This is going to backfire. Absolutely, saying. I've never felt more confident. Is it kind of like Mutt putting a bet on the Blue Jackets? Is that what this is? Let's not go that far. I mean, <laughs> Mutt betting on anything is a sign of imminent failure. But uh, so why you're just saying just. Just, just karma overall, I, mean, not- I think I think Tortorella <laughs> yeah. is uh, overplaying his hand, and I think as soon as he guarantees a game seven, it's going six. I, I just want, I just wanted going back to what I said about playing for him. I mean, it's one of, you could be right. It could be he could be putting way too much pressure on them. I mean, to say that we're going to do this. On the other hand, it, it might actually fire them up. Just I don't know. Yeah, he obviously a, knows I, his team better. It's worth the shot because even if it doesn't come true, will anybody really hold him to the fire for it? I am. I'm, I'll will? be back next week saying <laughs> uh, John Tortorella buried this. I'm team. sure. I'm sure. They they lose the game six, he won't ever talk. He just won't address the media at all because no one's going to make him talk. Pete Blackburn has been pretty vicious on Twitter of uh, rubbing opposing fan bases' faces in it. Like, uh, Toronto just gets bludgeoned on a nightly basis. They deserve it. I guess Toronto. They, they are but the they were, they had a better showing than, like, Pittsburgh, who I guess you, you took a shot at them for getting I've, swept last I've, night. It was a good I've, shot. I've buried Pittsburgh this entire postseason. They were terrible. Uh, who else? Have I missed anybody else you're really trashing? I mean, uh, no, Pittsburgh is the, Pittsburgh's a big one. They they Pittsburgh and Toronto barely mostly. deserve to even be there. Swept by a team that got swept. <laughs> yeah. Was the uh, the meme last night. Uh, speaking of the team that did the sweeping, I want to play Don Cherry. I know oh, it's God. looking ahead a little bit, but he the, the Cherry v. Carolina Hurricanes buildup is going to be big. And uh, if the Bruins get another win, that's where they're headed, right? In Game 3 to Raleigh with the uh, Hurricane Siren. It's not a cannon. Maybe we'll see Rick Flair. Might see Rick Flair. Might see NASCAR tailgates. It's a a surprising story to be sure. Pete Blackburn is here from CBS Sports as he keeps his run going here on Sunday Skate. We are with you until 10 o'clock this morning, 617-779-7937. Ken Laird and Matt Cowman as well, presented by Wise Snacks and Star Market. First, the trending. You're listening to Sunday Skate with Ken Laird from the Mud and Callahan Show and WEEI.com Bruins writer Matt Kalman. Sunday Skate is brought to you by Wise Snacks and by Star Market, the official supermarket of the Boston Bruins. Boy, that, that whole sequence at the end was set up by Brad Marsh and Nutt. Not getting the puck out of the zone. He's going to have to hold... Charlie McAvoy, a, a large draft beer after that kick save that he made. Is he all right? The one-two dynamic duo, Doc Emmerich and Mike Milbury, talking about, of course, the McAvoy block shot with his skate on Artemi Panarin last night with 1.6 seconds to go. What are we going to do if we don't? What are we going to do if we don't have Doc any around? Could we clone him? You think Jack Edwards is going to rise to the occasion to go national? <laughs> he's never going to go national. He knows that. Uh, he'll he'll be the first to tell you. He's ripped way too many. Uh, he hasn't blur- he hasn't burned bridges. He's blown up countries. <laughs> well, don't get Doc retired yet, right? He's not that old, is he? I know, but it's yeah, you I know feel like you're killing Doc right it's now. Gotta be, so, a, it's got to be in the offing. Seventy two. He's, oh, he's fine. He it's and, amazing. He and Al Michaels has three years left in them, so he it is great to watch him. Though we were just talking about you know, off uh, air here about the dyna- the du- the dynamic between Doc and. Milbury, yeah. who ba- barely says anything. He's pretty good when he does speak. He's usually yeah. like you. He's cranky. 
Uh, so he's got some good stuff. Hey, he wrote the forward to my book, right? So, you know. As long as he's not ripping on uh, Johansson. Well, that's just he it. I, I absolutely feel, hates Johansson. I feel like in game three, and f- uh, maybe especially in game four, I feel like he, he was analyzing something with Johansson, and he made sure to not say anything about being him soft. Like he wanted, he maybe he recognized his mistake as opposed to maybe some people in this business. He, you know, he, I think well, you, he's You pretty, called him racist against Scandinavians. Well, it does happen. You know, and that's why I feel like we have to balance that out. And I think, I think Mike is excellent is breaking down strategies and breaking down plays and, He's one of the few that doesn't just sit there and give you the obvious and tell you what you're watching. It is television. And so. he was right about Johansson. He just does, does not belong in front of the net on right. the first power play. And that's, but again, if I, I don't understand. He, he talk, Milbury talks to Cassidy after every practice, every game, so he should know. That's not a net front presence position that they were having Johansson play. He was playing the goal line to distribute the puck. He was out there to be an entry guy, not to be a net front presence. But he, but he Maybe that up- unit needed net front presence. It wasn't going to come from Johansson. But there were sequences where he ended up in front well, of the Well, obviously, they're rotating around. He's going to end up in front. They needed that power play with the five of them. It would have worked some more if they had moved more. I mean, they definitely need to have more interchange between Marshan and Krug and move the guys around. But when you're giving up the shorthanded chances like they were, you can't blame them for not taking risks. As, as, as many risks as they're already taking to give up the chances, you don't want to take more. So The Bruins are now 3-for-18 in the series on the power play. Not that great. They were 2-for-6 in that Game 4 win, obviously. Right. But in Boston, they're only 1-for-10. So, I mean, it's it's kind of struggled. Yeah, the first couple games for sure. And then last night was only 2, two last night, right? So it's not a big deal. Right. So it's not a major talking point. But it, it, the key last night was to not give Van, uh, Columbus the momentum but giving them the short end of chances, and they cut back on that. Well, back to the save by uh, McAvoy. We talked about it a bit in hour one. Uh, it's amazing we have three hours to reference here on the show, but we have that. <laughs> so, Pete Blackburn, uh, get your take because you're first in on this. Uh, would you put McAvoy's blocked shot with the skate all-time level, like even uh, top play in the game last night, or just somewhere that's going to get lost in history of, as uh, not that significant? No, I think I think it was one of the top plays in the game last night for sure. But I, I don't know if you're if the Bruins go on and win the cup. I don't know if you're looking at the the game five shot block from Charlie McAvoy in the final seconds as like a a, a real pivotal moment. In- it would it would be in the uh, you know the final montage though as a, as a representative of a young guy willing to sacrifice everything that sort of thing. The uh, well, especially when we find out at the end of the playoffs that he's, that, that he's playing on a broken foot the rest yeah. of the playoffs. Which he says he's you never fine, know. right? We heard the audio. Yeah, I mean earlier. everybody's fine. I mean Kev- Kevin Miller had something minor going on, and he's been uh, MIA for two months here, so <laughs> you never know. Yeah, like I don't know if the puck's going to go in there, but there is a Columbus player in front. Maybe you get a redirect. Somebody uh, should have asked Torts about it because there's nothing that guy loves more than a nice <laughs> shot block. So. Oh my god. True, he loves hits. I still, shot I, I still want to know what you guys did to him when he was a kid because, again, he he loves the shot blocking so much. It's yeah. like it's almost masochism. That's, he loves that, guys to kill themselves. That's to get honestly, in front of shots. like a big reason why I think that his teams lately have not done anything in the playoffs because he runs his top guys into the ground and he runs them out there for for twenty five minutes a night and expects them to <laughs> to step in front of a firing squad for twenty five minutes I mean, a night and they get hurt. Yeah. Isn't this the They're way the Isn't this the way the game is changing? Like you're not supposed to block. Yeah. You're supposed to let the goalie do his job oh my god well the last 10 minutes of this game were just totally nuts uh it started before we hear from uh, don cherry here want to just go through some of the highlights here which uh, some people probably left this game when it was three to one to be honest like if you're a bruins fan you're feeling good they're not gonna blow this you want to take a cab and get home i don't, <laughs> I don't know if you want to say a lot but you're regretting it today if you did seth jones first of all gets them on the board with the the, the goal overturned how surprised were you guys that it got overturned First of all, I, so I so I said it on Twitter, but I 
thought that that was a goal, I was surprised that they overturned it. Exactly. Because we've seen so many times in the playoffs so far that the the call on the ice, they usually they stick with the call on the ice, they don't overturn it, and there was no conclusive evidence with that replay uh, last night. The, that, but did you see the late replay, the one they showed right at the tail end before they came out and announced it was overturned, where the, you see the black up against the pad of Tuka Rask tucked into the net. Yeah, I think it is conclusive. It's not the overhead. That's that's the thing. It, the overhead is the most conclusive replay evidence that you have. And, I mean, the fact that, that Toronto has replay reviews that we're not a- able to access is the most insane thing in the world. Yeah, that's not true. But You can say that, but I, I've heard that they've got replay that's reviews. That's a total lie. We saw the Kentucky Derby replay booth. It was this little... Sh- we should <laughs> have a camera. Closet. We should have a camera in the Toronto room watching them view the replays. True. Correct. Should be should be the way don't that they, it they is, have that, don't they have that in NBA too, right? They have that. They probably watch the that? broadcast and just wait for the you know the, the, <laughs> the NBA to say whether it's the NBA or not. the referees just go over the scores yeah. table and they watch the screen while I feel like I've seen the they're inside their war room though, but I don't know oh, you have? Would, yeah, I think I have. But I, yeah, I was surprised that that, that they overturned it just uh, because put a computer chip in the on. puck already and get it over with. My yeah. God! But that's three big calls to go against the Bruins in the playoffs. Uh, right? You had the Hyman interference, yep. uh, which was not called yep. uh, earlier in this series. Well, what am I forgetting? We had the net, the puck oh, going the, into the, the net, net of the net. Yeah, the net goal. Yep. Which it's at least three. ask Toronto though. We we never get any benefit. <laughs> we we always benefit from the calls. Right, Marshan gets away benefit. with everything. My favorite, Marshan gets about away with everything. I love Toronto fans, especially when they tweet me homos, you yeah. know, <laughs> all these Uh-oh. ridiculous homophobic tweets and stuff. Because, I mean, yes, I have a very nice picture of me and Brad Marshan on my Twitter. We we have like almost matching <laughs> shirts on. Doesn't mean that I have. I'm a homer. My God, ask Toronto fans. Uh, Zidane Chara commits interference every time that he's on the ice. Every shift, it's every Zidane Chara plays interference. If you watch Mitch Marner eat ice cream the way he eats ice cream, how the hell can you root for the Toronto Maple Leafs? Who makes their ice cream into soup? What is the point of that? Even my eight-year-old who loves ice cream looked at that and said, that looks disgusting. So right there, they should be eliminated. Who eats ice cream like that? But he's asking for $11.5 million a year. Oh, my God. And he's probably going to get it, right? No way. Oh, he will not? I, I think that he, he's going to get between nine and nine and a half. That's what he deserves. From which team? That's because I don't know if he's going to do it. I think I think uh, Spreadsheet Boy there, I don't think he knows what he's doing. Spreadsheet I think, Boy? I, th- I think he's going to lose the coach, and he's going to lose one of these star well, players. lucky to lose the coach. The coach <laughs> stinks. Well, who's he, well, who's, well, this is the thing. Is he going to replace him with a coach, or is he going to replace him with a guy that he can uh, you know, control with the spreadsheets? The, the coach doesn't count towards the salary cap. That's that's the big thing. Right. I, I don't have any problem with paying Would like you, paying your coach what you want right. to pay him, especially Absolutely. in Toronto when they have all that money at their disposal. Right. Pay the right coach though. Would you Babcock rather have, stinks? Would you rather Tortorella than Babcock as your coach? No. You'd rather Babcock? I'd rather take Babcock. I think I think maybe there's some influence of the, the spreadsheet people. That's I think that goes back to the Matthews ice time we were talking about. There might be some spreadsheet somewhere that says if you play Matthew between 16 and 18 minutes, it maximizes his value. I and know. I think he's trying when he says he when he doesn't bring that up, he talks about the depth all the time. We know that he obviously doesn't agree with the personnel choices that Dubas is giving him as far as the depth players, yeah. and Dubas owned up to that as far as penalty kill. And I think he doesn't want to throw the guy under the bus because he does want to work there and he wants to try to win with Toronto. But I think deep down, he doesn't want to listen to all this nonsense. He wants to play his best players. Who wouldn't? There has to be but an explanation. Not. There has to he's be an not expl- playing his best players. Well, because he's maybe trying to give in to the GM. It's like, you know, you, you pick the battles, you can win, right? If you're, you're not going to argue with the guy all the time, you're going to get fired. If you want to keep your job, you try to you try to you know placate your boss that way. Well, enough Maple Leafs talk. Back to the Seth Jones goal. <laughs> 
Can never uh, get enough Maple Leafs talk. Great Especially job. Marner's ice cream. Best job of the night was done by Grizzlick and Corrali to shield the cameras on the replay of that Seth Jones goal. They're both like on top of the net blocking any and all camera angles. Although I guess it didn't work because there was one that got through, but it was an awesome job. Many people calling it the Bon Jovi curse now because Living on a Prayer started. Is there the other people picked yes. up on that? Oh, yes, oh yes, nice. Yes. It's absolutely the Bon Jovi curse. Why? I, I mean, listen, I'm out of the Patriots loop. I don't care what goes on there. But why are you playing a song by a New Jersey band and singing along to a 30 year old song that most people hate now? I, that song stinks. Oh, my God. I, well, it's the same. Why are you even playing bon it? It's it started organically the same way the Fenway crowd got. But it has nothing. Well, that's Caroline, right? well. Who says that's right? I mean, does anyone even ag- does anyone with half a brain even agree with that one? I mean, my God, sweet Caroline. Well, it's not proven to be a curse. I mean, you would admit. Well, it's, it's not, not a pretty curse. well. I just don't like Neil Diamond. Better or worse than Bon Jovi at this point? Well, it depends. It's. I think Sweet Caroline's a little bit creepier than Living on a Prayer. Yeah. <laughs> we sure is. Want to go there? Yeah, for sure. Okay, but, so, you know, so anyway, so why are you doing this sing along? Yes. You got a crowd, a raucous crowd at the garden, big plug, and you're playing this Bon Jovi song, and then they did go in the toilet, so maybe they they'll take that CD or whatever they play it on and chuck it. Right? Stop doing that. Tortorella lets out the yell when the goal is overturned, so he did, he clearly didn't think it was going to get overturned. Or, yeah, and nobody knows what the NHL is going to do in these situations. But then, 43 seconds later, Pasternak scores, and you feel like it's over. Right? That 2-on-1. Yeah. It's a nice shot by Pasternak. Absolutely. Makes it look easy. It's 3-to-1 Bruins. And then it's Keystone Cops And then Chara, right? Duchesne pushed him back. Yep. Fed it cross ice. Dezingle finally shows up. Roofs it. Nice goal. Well, you know... Look at that play, though. McAvoy, I don't know what he was doing. He got, he got, he was trying to defend the front. He got pushed off to the side. Oh, he did. Yeah, he got, he got out muscled too. I mean, that was just a crazy play. They were all off balance. They weren't ready for it for some reason. And then the first playoff goal of Dean Kukin's NHL career. That was an unbelievable <laughs> shot. It was dug out of the corner by Anderson, who has been totally invisible in this yep. series, other than a couple of cheap hits. That's a guy I can guarantee you doesn't want to play for Torrance. Yeah, probably. Although he, what, he well, scored 41 goals? He's the like whipping that, boy. That's been the guy that, that everybody's hyped up as as the guy who's yep. going to make the difference in this series. He's been terrible. He's basically Jimmy Hayes out there sometimes. <laughs> he doesn't hit anybody, and he's a giant. And, and when he is trying to hit people, he's taking penalties. <laughs> right. Correct, and but he makes a key play there, gets it off the skate of Carlo, goes to Panarin <clears throat> and the Kukin to tie the game, and then you know you got six minutes to go. At, at that point, are you thinking the Bruins are done? Because I'm thinking they're toast. I I, I admit I thought this game's going to end in overtime. Uh, I mean, end in overtime. But no, I mean it's a coin flip at that point to me. I mean, I've seen so many of this this team <laughs> do the ups and downs that I never would say, oh, they're definitely going to lose this game. You know, so well, I I, th- I thought that they looked like the better team for most of the night, and then. With the fact that they look like the better team, but blew that lead, I was like, oh, "Okay, this is right. this is not going to end well." Well, we had, I mean, I think six or seven odd man rushes, even a couple after the Pasternak goal. So it was total bizarre finish to this game. It opened up for whatever reason, or guys were fatigued. One of the two. You had uh, you know two and a half periods of kind of boredom, or at least close, cautious play, and then uh, yeah. an awesome finish. Well, game four, period one, was the best period by far. That was one of the best periods of the playoffs so far. Uh, period one in Columbus. Yeah, game well, they had enough. Uh, some of it hockey wise, and some of it self inflicted by the NHL, right? Four three Bruins have the edge, and the Columbus Blue Jackets are on the brink. Do you think the series is over, or will it come back? As Tort says for Game Seven, join us on Sunday skate six one seven 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 nine seven ninety three seven. We will get that Don Cherry sound next because it's really good. Because the, the team that awaits is the bunch of jerks. It's been cast that way by Cherry. That's coming up on huh? Sunday skate.
You're listening to Sunday Skate with Ken Laird from the Mud and Callahan Show and WEEI.com Bruins writer Matt Kalman. Sunday Skate is brought to you by Wise Snacks and by Star Market, the official supermarket of the Boston Bruins. Marshy came back for us and, and uh, had an unbelievable game. And, and uh, how I said, uh, we pick each other up, you know, and, and uh, it's, it's, it's great to be part of, of this line. And they, uh, you know, a lot of positive uh, thinking every, every single shift. I don't know if you guys believe in bulletin board material, but uh, Coach Tortorella said that they'll be back here for Game 7. Uh, do you guys have any response to that? No. <laughs> Man, what a night for Scott McLaughlin at WEI.com. Yeah. Asking the key question. David Posternak there talking about the uh, bounce back. And uh, the Tortorella guarantee that we will be back, of course. Didn't get much response, but no responses. And a chuckle is a good response. It's a Sunday Skate presented by Wise Snacks and Star Market. Ken Laird, Matt Kalman, and Pete Blackburn. Postanuk, not an electric soundbite, obviously. Two significant celebrations, though, after his goals. Pretty emphatic. Pretty good stuff, right? Uh, I didn't see the celebration. Oh, I you didn't? About, yeah, I mean... I mean, he had the sort of the, the archer up along the boards right. with the uh, with the wrist back. Yep. I don't know if that's the... Uh, I hope it's better than his winter classic bird try that was basically a bird with one wing and yes, fell yes, over. Yes, better than that. Better than that. And the $40 million man has woken up. Stepped up, some would say. Stepped up. If you're gonna, he has this, to step up, give 100%, and then if he doesn't get, come through, what does he have to do? Tip his cap. Tip his cap, right. So Game three, Columbus 2-1 win. Bobrovsky stole it. You tipped your cap, right? Game four, the Bruins won 4-1. Rask stole it early. You tipped your cap. And the top line stepped up somewhat, but game five, they really stepped up. So dumb it down for <laughs> all hockey fans out there. Accurate? <laughs> Sounds like some websites I read. I, I love the uh, he's the he's not trying hard enough angle. Oh. It's the laziest take in the world to say that a player or a team is just not playing hard enough in the uh, in the playoffs. Well, they don't T- want it enough. Tortorella said we got some guys to play. He doesn't after it, the game. He, he yeah, contradicts so. himself. He says, oh, "I mean, he says we need, we got some guys to play." So the beat writer translates that as, "Oh, you didn't like the energy." Oh, I love the energy. We just need to make plays. Well, which is it? Yeah. It's not the same thing. The Bruins don't have a lot of guys where you think they're dogging it on a nightly basis, but Pasternak no. was getting thrown in that category, right? But he was not dogging. He, he wasn't dogging. Anything. He, he was didn't just, look like himself. He just couldn't do it. He couldn't handle the puck. Well, he mentally clearly, unfocused. You though. know, we we don't know the, the intricacies. He obviously he had a splint. Maybe he changed splints. Maybe he's looking for the right splint. I remember when, you know, a few years ago when Chara got hurt in the season and he had a knee injury and he had the brace that was bothering him for weeks and he had to change braces. You have to take time to adjust to things. So if he adjusts, if he changes braces on his hand or something and somebody smacks it and then you have to get, you don't know what's going on behind the scenes with this guy, but he never once stopped trying. He was actually, I think he was the ice time leader for forwards at least for those games. I mean, Bruce kept rolling him out there. If he was that terrible, Cassidy would pull back on that. He's not afraid to cut back guy back on guy's ice time. He clearly could see, thought he had a chance to get something out of this guy, and I'm not going to question him on that. It's, it's your best chance. People kept saying, oh, 50% of pasta isn't as good as 100% of Solaric or whatever. That's not true. 50% of pasta Pete, Pete, is Pete better. I didn't say that. I did not say that. Don't put words in my mouth. I said you if you can get pasta, if you can bump him up a, a, like a 20% by giving him a couple days rest, it's worth doing. Right, and it That's obviously wasn't worth doing. It's, it's been working with David Backus, had, right? Moment Backus was back to himself again last night. So he played two games in a row. So, so this... bench him for game six. <laughs> I would have benched him I for game five. I wouldn't even send him on a flight. Just keep him in Boston. Ready for game seven. <laughs> Like right? a, like a starting pitcher, yeah, like Clements. You send them ahead. No, I mean they've they've really found the sweet spot with Backus. Nine minutes, 
Play but, your hardest. But a good nine minutes. Skate end to end. Hit people. They found it. And you know what? That's all you really need at this point. That was a pretty good drop pass, too. You know, drop yeah. net drive on the first He's goal. He's been fine. You can't knock him. And, and what the guy, I mean, I couldn't get anyone to say this, but uh, I, I fully believe what you get out of him in intangibles. And I know the uh, the spreadsheet people are going to, you know, mock me, but they wouldn't be the first ones to mock me today. And I don't think anybody really think, hates David Backus. I, I think just they think, just hate yeah. David Backus at the price that he's come. At the price he's come. And, and he had, he's had some tough stretches where he just yeah. hasn't done anything and especially in these playoffs that's why he was out of the lineup but i like the guy i just I just, and what he what he brings to his team contract, because right. the leaders are great leaders you know char marchand or char bergeron and crecci but they're they're quiet quieter by nature not that they don't speak up but when david back is i'm sure i mean we know he can't shut up when he talks to us after a game or after a practice so i'm sure on the bench he's a he's a mile a minute keeping guys going keeping guys sharp and that influence alone is worth having him in the lineup. He's the Chris Sale dugout guy that's going to have a tantrum Absolutely. to get guys going. I mean, there's no doubt you have that. You, you need that from him. Well, I've teased this for an hour, so we have to get to it. So passion's a big part of hockey. We know that. Uh, the Carolina Hurricanes, amazingly, await the winner of this series. They've been known this year for after-home games celebrating with bizarre storm surge, what do they call it, storm surge celebrations on the home yep. ice. They had a basketball out there once. They had bowling. <laughs> they had duck hunt. Duck, uh, duck, goose. Yeah, they had a... A walk-off uh, home run sort limbo. of like baseball thing. Yeah, or did a limbo thing. They had Devander Holyfield come down for <laughs> one of these games. And uh, Don Cherry, who's the voice of Canada, I read in a magazine up there once that he's what every Canadian man aspires to be. He is Mr. Canada. <laughs> Wasn't he voted like the most important Canadian I or something? He's the most, so he he's, was pissed off. Right after Mike Myers. He said it was a bunch of jerks. They shouldn't do this. They're rubbing it in opposing teams' faces. So now... Carolina's flaunting this with a bunch of jerks, T-shirts, and rally towels, and they're embracing it. Yep. So Cherry weighed in again and was asked whether he has now embraced the movement and him becoming so famous for this. Here's Cherry last night on Hockey Night in Canada. And you happened to bring up on the coach's corner that night uh, what has made Raleigh, Carolina, the Hurricanes, you, everybody rich and famous. This is unbelievable, the, uh, the jerks phenomena. Uh, I don't understand this. I said this on Canada, and it goes down in there. And you know, it's a funny thing. They know that it's the wrong thing to do, or they do it in the playoffs. No, what you, you do a guy, you do it in October. You don't see him till March. They know in the playoffs. You should look at that there. That's pretty good. You should not. You know, I don't understand, guys. The oh, I. Well, I'm told the owner said entertain the crowd, and they still draft at thirteen to fourteen thousand people. And these people that are here now, now they're winning front running fans. As far as I'm concerned, that's what they are front running fans. As far as I'm concerned, hard not to embrace it though, isn't it? And the pig I don't Hamilton, embrace the pig and everything. nothing. I said okay. they look like a bunch of jerks being a fish, a fish in the water, a bowling ball. With this professional hockey, and no sport in the world does it except them. And it come down from the top I want you to interfere I want to entertain the fans the fans there now they're 17 and 18,000 they're front runners they're there because they win not because they act like fish okay that's it I got really my where do you even start with that I don't know but it's first awesome. of all it's awesome. front running fans why have we had like three lockouts and had have this stupid balanced schedule where every team has to go to every building because the Canadian people in Calgary 
won't go to a game if their team is bad and they don't get to see Sidney Crosby once a year. Okay, front running fans, the, they, the owner ran that organization to the ground, and so they stopped going because they don't want to give their hard earned dollars to nonsense. It's the same in every city, America or Canada. That's what it comes. They, they go out and they support a winner. The Penguins so that's almost ridiculous. lost. Pittsburgh almost lost to Penguins because nobody was right. going to those games before they got Crosby. Oh my God, I, I can't believe I have to defend something from North Carolina. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I love. Uh, I, I said a couple weeks ago that that anytime John Cherry answers a question, it's like him falling down a flight of stairs. <laughs> exactly. To actually well, get to the and answer. he doesn't even know what he's talking about because no one is rubbing it in anybody's face. The other team is long gone. Well, why don't they do it in the playoffs? They, they decided to do it in the That's playoffs because they, probably they could serve energy. Because what are they going to do after a three overtime game? How are they going to do that? I also think that you don't want guys uh, out there. Trying to play basketball and, right. and dunk and tear an ACL. Exactly. The, the fish he's referring to is once they did, inspired by the nitty gritty dirt band song "Fishing in the Dark." They had oh. they had tossing their lines into center ice and they hooked right. one of their players. Right, 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 right. Yeah, So, so that the, was that yeah. was the Don Cherry oh acting like a God. fish. He's so punch drunk. It's ridiculous. It's tremendous, and it's a oh must watch God. every Saturday. And now. <laughs> Because of his affiliation with the Bruins, if the Bruins win the series, it's get, this is going to be all in now. Cherry oh, yeah. and the Bruins against you, you Carolina, go to a, a bunch of jerks. You go to a game in Canada, and you go to, first. It's a mission. You watch the Canadian beat writers. They go. They take off. They go to the television. They huddle around the television, around awesome. the television like they're watching the moon landing. Which I guess Don Cherry, you know, when you don't have the moon landing to look back, you have your Don Cherry to look back at. You know, one small step for man and a giant step for bigots or something. You know, whatever it is. Well, but, he, and last night he had the Star Wars uh, suit jacket on. What was it? He had a bunch of Darth Vader. Oh, he did too? Stormtrooper, yeah. Oh, yeah. wow. Him and another guy. Wow. Yeah. He, yeah. Yep. You want to say who that two, other guy two is? Two people on May the 4th. Great. Uh, All I have to say is live long and prosper. By the way, in the, in the next bonus hour of the show, because Sunday Skate is now bumping Reamer, Bradford, and Wiggins, uh, we got an extra hour coming up. Calman is going to read the text line like his idol Dale, because uh, Dale's always in on the text, and Calman has discovered the text line. He I can't believe I cannot believe that Mike Felger's up this early t- texting us. It's beautiful. I love that Felger's doing that. Text are three seven ninety three seven. We got an hour to go. Get in on the uh, fun, the action. Six one seven 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 nine seven ninety three seven. We'll talk to a Columbus writer at some point as well. Here coming up, Brian Hedger, your buddy. Yep, Brian Hedger. Uh, so we'll get his take on the torts. Uh, Explosion last night? Fair to say explosion? or Not explosion, just not by his standards. snippiness. Snippy torts with a guarantee. All that coming up on Sunday's Gate.